Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this heavenly food that we may, be, may nourish, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians, first chapter, 11 through the 23rd verses. It can be found in the Sanctuary Bible on page 192 of the New Testament. Listen now for God's holy, living, inerrant, powerful, transforming word. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, may live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards the redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, with what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O oh God, your wonder to our eyes and open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. So a few months ago, I learned about this phone app, you know, for your, you can download from iTunes or Google and you, you put it right on here. I read about an article in the Christian Century magazine. The author of this article is a pastor named Matt Fitzgerald, and he claimed that it changed his life. That was pretty inspiring, so I thought I'd download it. So the app is called We Croak. 
and it costs a mere 99 cents in the app store, so I downloaded it, and so here's how the app works. About five times a day, it sends you a simple message that pops up on the lock screen of your phone. And then you tap, and, and the message right here, it, it says, don't forget, you're going to die. And then you touch the message, and it gives you a meaningful, inspiring quote about life, about mortality. It covers a wide range of things. And I thought it was an interesting experiment, you know, I, to remember my mortality five times a day. When I told my so, wife about this, though, she thought it was a bit strange. And one day, my phone buzzed. I pulled out my phone, and... As is our instinct usually, she asked, is it someone at church? No, it's this app I have. And so I explained it to her the way I explained it to you, to which she said, you paid money for an app to remind you of your mortality? <laughs> well, yes. Yes, I did. Strange as it might seem. The funny thing about it is that these reminders aren't set. They come at random times throughout the day, so you don't quite know when it's going to happen, just like we don't know quite when our time is up. And these reminders came at fairly random times while one of us is cooking dinner in the kitchen, while I am coloring with crayons with my kids, sitting and watching TV and folding laundry in the evening, on an evening out to dinner, sitting up in the pastor's study preparing a sermon. During rather ordinary times of the day, my phone would buzz and I would look down at it and it would say, don't forget. And what's interesting about this is that it began to happen enough in the presence of my family that my phone would buzz and Emma would look over and say, don't forget? Yes, don't forget. We are going to die. And I know this sounds a bit strange. Some might think it a bit morose. But over the last couple of months, with this app on my phone... It has called my attention to the reality of my own life and my own expectation of death. It's a reminder, too, that those around me will one day die. Its effect has been to call my attention to what is meaningful, what, is, what I experience in terms of, of hope and of grief that these simple reminders can point me to. And when I remember those who've died that I grieve, I lament, but I, but I also have these memories of extraordinary joy that these people offered me as well, that these saints have offered me. And it reminds me, too, of the joy that I could possibly share with another if I am giving attention to life the way God calls us to live it. A joy that is bigger than myself. Now, I'm not sure this is what I expected when I downloaded the app. But as All Saints Day and All Saints Sunday approached, I began to think about this app more and more. 
so much so that Emma thought it was an illustration for every Sunday in October. But as I began to think about these saints that we remember, these saints who've gone before us, it made me think about the church members who've died this year. A message pops up on my phone and says, don't forget, and I won't forget, I remember. And I also won't forget a friend from college who died earlier this year. I won't forget a friend of mine from seminary who died earlier this year, both of whom joined the company of saints like those that we will read as part of our communion liturgy today, these saints of our church. And like all of them, I also won't forget saints who've gone before in previous years. I don't forget my grandmother. My grandmother, who I called Nana, was a member at Westminster Church in Detroit. And occasionally at Presbytery meetings, I go there and there are still a few active elders old enough to remember her. Occasionally at Presbytery meetings, one of them will turn to others from their church and say, this is Ginny Nichols' grandson, even though she's been gone for seven or eight years. And when they see me at Presbytery, they also remember her, a saint who went before them. This is what we do on All Saints Day and All Saints Sunday. This is a day on the church calendar when, when we remember those saints that have blessed us and those saints that have entered the church triumphant, those saints who lived ahead of us and who have entered the church triumphant ahead of us. We remember women and men who have lived lives of deep faith, who've devoted their lives to the church as disciples. And while there are those saints that are luminous and, and significant in the traditions of the church, particularly the Roman Catholic Church, who've uh, gone through this uh, extensive process to becoming official saints with the days, Today, in, in our tradition, we celebrate the whole company of saints, not just those remarkable ones that we lift up, but all the saints, the everyday saints, the saints like you and I, the saints of our families, our church, and our friends, because all of these saints are no less luminous to us. We give thanks for what they meant to us in our lives with them and the person who God made them to be. And particularly, the ways that they shared their love and their friendship with the world around them. So today is a very special Sunday. In the letter to the Ephesians, there is a prayer that guides us toward remembrance. The Apostle Paul prays for the church, saying, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which God has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints. 
Now, this prayer that Paul writes to the Ephesians is a particular type of prayer that comes out of Jewish tradition. It's a type of prayer that's called a barakah. It's a blessing that expresses gratitude. And what Paul does is express gratitude for the people who have become the church. He expresses gratitude for what one of my teachers in seminary, a woman named Sally Brown, calls the ongoing, world-changing, redemptive action of God. Paul celebrates God, but he also celebrates the church in Ephesians, the people in Ephesus, who are caught up in what God is doing in their community and their church and their city. And Paul celebrates, Paul blesses, Paul offers gratitude because the people in the church at Ephesus are continuing the ministry of the saints who led the church so Paul reminds them. the church reminds these people through this letter, through this prayer, this blessing, that Christ is entering the world with love and mercy. And Paul reminds the church that they are part of what God is doing, this activity that God is making happen in the world. And to help them remember, Paul blesses them with a barakah. So as we remember the blessings of the saints who share the gifts that God gave them, and we celebrate the saints and we mourn the saints with very good reason because they've blessed us. And having experienced God's blessing through them, we cannot help but respond with our own blessing whether it is a barakah or an expression of gratitude or a story we share or a way that we live out our faith for our own blessing. Now, one such saint that died this year, a saint that many traditions and people from many different churches remember and give thanks for is a woman named Rachel Held Evans. She was an author and a speaker, and despite her growing fame from her authorship and speaking tours, she was, by and large, a regular person. She was much like any one of us sitting in the pews. She had a family. She also had young children, and when she died in April, her she was 37. Was to write about living our faith in a modern world, in our modern time. She had the pulse of the way our world works and how we respond to it as people of faith, what is challenging and what we need. Her books resonated with a wide range of people. Her four books wrestled with inclusion in the church, which also means she wrestled with some of the ways the church would exclude. Her writing created a space for people who had been left out or diminished, who'd been hurt by the church, or who were altogether, for whom altogether the church was unknown, and, and these people who might have been reluctant to enter the doors of a church, she also, in her own way, was a guide. 
She was a guide for people who were spiritual wanderers or who were uncertain about faith. She reminded people that God's love was bigger than any one of us, that it was bigger than all of us combined. And so was God's welcome and God's hope and God's peace. If you go to her obituary in the New York Times, it quoted her last blog post that was written for Ash Wednesday this past year. On Ash Wednesday, we remember our mortality and we remember God's promise to welcome us home into God's eternal love and care and grace. And remembering this promise, she wrote these words, not knowing that death would come for her only about a month later. She wrote, death is a part of life. And my prayer for you this season is that you make time to celebrate that reality and to grieve that reality and that you will know that you are not alone. In Rachel's death, there was an outpouring of grief, of gratitude, of frustration, but also a remembrance of the promises of God that she preached when she wrote and when she spoke. And so there were expressions made that was a return of the blessing that she had given. Even more blessing as more and more people poured out their remembrance of her giving thanks for the gifts that she had given them. It was a sign of the power that one person can have especially when they live a life that blesses others. So today, being All Saints Sunday, we can celebrate the blessings of the saints, saints like you and I, for they were blessed by God and have been blessing us. And having received their blessings, we can then turn to bless others. Not because we are special or because we are more important or because we are better than another person, but because God has given us an identity, an identity that we belong to God no matter what. So I want to end this sermon with a blessing for the church. It's not a barakah per se, but it is a blessing. It is a blessing written by the priest and poet John O'Donohue, and it is called A Blessing for Lost Friends. Let us pray. As twilight makes a rainbow robe from the concealed colors of day, in order for time to stay alive within the dark weight of night, may we lose no one we love from the shelter of our hearts. When we love another heart and allow it to love us, we journey deep below time into that eternal weave where nothing unravels. May we have the grace to see, despite the hurt of rupture, the searing anger, and the empty disappointment that whoever we have loved, such love can never quench. Through a do- though a door may have closed, closed between us, may we be able to view our lost friends with eyes wise with calming grace, 
Forgive them the damage we were left to inherit. Free ourselves from the chain, chains of forlorn resentment. Bring warmth again to where the heart has frozen in order that beyond the walls of our cherished hurt and chosen distance, we may be able to celebrate the gifts they brought and learn and grow from the pain and prosper into difference, wishing them the peace spirit can summon beauty from wounded spaces. Amen.